welcome back. Let's Get Physical Therapy is an educational podcast brought to you by MedStar Health and hosted by me, physical therapist Becca Schumer. I will be sharing the mic with tons of healthcare professionals with the goal of educating and inspiring fellow PTs and future PTs. We hope you find this both informative and inspirational, ultimately optimizing how we treat our patients and grow as professionals. Please enjoy today's episode. I know it's Sunday, but we're dropping a bonus episode because today is June 4th, which is National Cancer Survivor Day. Cancer is all too common. For women, the most common diagnosis is breast cancer, which accounts for approximately 31% of all cancer diagnoses. More than 4 million women, about twice the population of New Mexico, have breast cancer. Endometrial and thyroid cancer come in at numbers 2 and 3. For men, prostate cancer accounts for 29% of all cancer diagnoses. Over 3.5 million men have prostate cancer. Melanoma of the skin and colorectal cancer are numbers 2 and 3 for men. The cancer diagnosis is increasing with earlier detection and growing in aging populations. And cancer survivors need more equitable care. Today, we're featuring three cancer survivors who are in varying stages of their recovery. We have Chrissy and Amanda, who received a breast cancer diagnosis, and Jay, who had prostate cancer. I hope you find it helpful to hear their personal journeys and the impact PT had on their recoveries. Let's first welcome Amanda, then Chrissy, and lastly, Jay. Also, I was a terrible podcast host. I forgot to ask Jay his favorite quote. So at the very end, I'm going to read all of their favorite quotes to tie it all together. So thank you for tuning in. Amanda, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you. I am really happy to have you here. Again, it's um, National Cancer Survivor Day, so I'm excited to share a few stories of patients that are either going through the process, have went through the process, um, et cetera, just to glean a better understanding of what you go through as a patient when you have a cancer diagnosis. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I am happy to be here. Awesome. All right, let's just jump into your story. What was life like before your cancer diagnosis? What was it like getting the diagnosis? And then we'll kind of get into where you are now. So I am the mother of uh, four boys. My, I'm trying to think, my youngest was um, just starting seventh grade when I was diagnosed. 2019, I'm trying to think how old my other, that's my youngest. So three older than that, I think I had, at that time, at least one other one in high school and two in college, I think. And life was busy. I was very involved um, as a volunteer with the PTA locally and also like countywide. I did a lot of work um, going to meetings and this was, I was pre-pandemic. So, you know, I was, I just also, um, doing things, grocery shopping, doctor's appointments, all of those things for four kids, you know, taking care of the house. So it was, it kept me busy. I did the volunteer work especially kept me busy. And then when I was diagnosed, um, it was fall of 2019. And uh, the I started because of the way I was diagnosed, I started chemo first. Um, a lot of people have surgery first, but with my diagnosis, I had chemo first. And it hit me hard and it hit me fast. And so within a month of of starting chemo, I was I had to pretty much drop everything um, and and step back. 
yeah, I I got very very weak from the chemo. I was I was also on a um, I was in a clinical trial and I was on a, a a drug that also helped shrink tumors but had other side effects as well. And so between those two things, I very quickly was in a like a wheelchair for um, most of my moving about and. That it took me, I ended up being in a wheelchair for about a year and a half due to uh, just the extreme fatigue and weakness and just how significantly the drugs affected me. So yeah, it was a huge life change. It was a huge life change. And I spent most of my time sitting in a chair. You know, my husband had to help me to the dinner table and then help me back to my chair. And then there was one point... um, near the end of chemo where I was actually in bed for about three weeks because I couldn't even get out of bed. So I was extremely weak and deconditioned from my you know, cancer treatment. In those times, in those moments, what kept you going? What was going through your head to maintain hope that it's going to get better? Well, I mean, my family, my husband and my kids, um, but also I just tried to get through the current day. I did not, I did not think about the future. I did not think, uh, my brain really wasn't capable of thinking beyond today. You know, I would think, what do I have to do today? Do I have a doctor's appointment that I have to go to today? You know, is there something, even like little things, like do I have to read this permission slip for my kid and sign it for school? You know, what are the basic things I have to get done today and just get through that day and not think beyond the next day. And that was it. And I I could not plan farther out than that just because my brain was like, it's too much effort just to focus on this. So that's what I just focused on that day. And what, how did PT or rehab play a role in helping you improve your endurance and strength to get that independence back for you when your body was able to do so? Uh, Physical therapy was huge. And, and especially the specific physical therapist that I had who was Valerie. Um, so when I came to see her, you know, she, she later told me that I was the most deconditioned person she had ever seen had ever worked with. And I ended up working with her, I think for about nine months where I was going twice a week, every week. And I never missed a session. I did not miss a single session. And I remember before I went to physical therapy, I thought, I'm not going to like this. I am not going to like physical therapy. I am not an exercise type person. I don't, you know, that was not something that I set aside time and did on my own. I would, you know, go through the grocery store, do gardening or things like that. But I did not do actual exercise. And I was like, I'm going to hate physical therapy. I really don't want to do this. And I remember the first few sessions were hard. Um, but in the beginning also, it wasn't fully exercised because I was also getting lymphedema massage and scar tissue massage, things like that. So, um, uh, so I was not going for the whole time, but they, they could tell how deconditioned I was. And in fact, I remember the thing that I hated most was sit to stance. I, I was like, I can't do those. It's too hard to do those. You know, don't make me do that. But Valerie was so encouraging and so 
like persistently cheerful that I could do it and that she had faith in me to do it, that uh, it really, it made a huge difference in, in my, you know, I, I, like I said, I never missed a session. I, twice a week I was there and I was doing what I needed to do. I was not great at the home exercises part of it, I admit. And Valerie knew I didn't lie to her. I'm like, I'm not great at the home exercises. But when I was there, I was fully, you know, engaged in doing what I was supposed to be doing. Did you know when you received your diagnosis that PT would be a part of the process? And since graduating PT, have you been able to maintain or has that influenced your drive to be more active or to incorporate that more in your life now? So I had no idea that PT would be part of treatment or recovery that I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea my body was going to react that badly to the drugs, you know, that it would make that much of a difference to me. I can say now that I can directly see that where I am now and my capabilities now is a direct result of the PT for sure. I, I credit that I can get up and walk around and I can go places and I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm, I am still, I mean, I am frustratingly, I'm still far off from where I would have, you know, was prior to the cancer diagnosis. So I still am not great, but I, there's a huge improvement from where I was. And there are certain things that I still hear Valerie's voice in my head, certain, you know, things that she has told me to do ways I should stand, you know, ways that I should approach things that I hear her voice in my head. And so I know, oh, Valerie said I should be doing this this way. And and so I still incorporate a lot of that in my day to day. What words of encouragement would you have for other patients that might be listening or things that were helpful in your recovery for physical therapists or PT students to know about when working with patients with cancer? Empathy and patience, I would definitely say, as far as, you know, people working with someone with cancer and, you know, understanding, like I said at the beginning, like I could not do those sit to stands and just understanding that, you know, I think people are trying the best that they can do, but sometimes what you think they're capable of, they may not actually be capable of in the beginning. But um, as far as cancer patients, I have been loudly recommending anyone I know go to physical therapy because it's just so great. It, it helped me so much that I've become a cheerleader for physical therapy as, you know, as a, as a cancer recovery treatment. It, it's been fantastic. Love it. Really happy that you're sharing your story and spreading the word because I think a lot of PTs might be I'm quoting air quoting scared to treat patients with cancer. And I hope that this brings more awareness to it and normalizes the importance of PT for recovery from cancer and the ill effects of the, the drugs and the treatments that are necessary to fight the cancer, but also leave you fatigued and, and reduce strength and all of the things that come with that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the deconditioning that, and, you know, I, I started seeing Valerie, it was post-surgery, but it was post those three weeks that I was in bed. And I lost just so much muscle and just the ability to do anything that, you know, being able to go to physical therapy and stand up from that wheelchair and do a couple things and practice my balance again. And, and it was huge. It made a huge difference in my recovery. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. 
You are welcome. Happy to be here. Chrissy, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am good. I am so excited to share Cancer Survivor Day with you. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today to hear your story and help us as PTs better understand how we can help you as patients. We'll jump right into your story. How did mm-hmm. you receive your diagnosis? What was life life like before your diagnosis and then up to now? Uh, life uh, before my diagnosis was well, really good. I was walking 10 miles around uh, Patterson Park where I live in Maryland, um, eating well, um, just living a healthy life. And I had a mammogram at the end of December and they called me back and I wasn't too worried. Women have dense breasts, it, it's common, so I wasn't worried, but three million scans later and two uh, sonograms later, the doctor came in and said I needed to have a biopsy. They found a mass in my left breast. So I had that done and they called pretty much the next day and told me that I had breast cancer. Um, I met with my surgeon, and from from that point on, it was just a million tests. Um, I had a lumpectomy on February 8th, and unfortunately, it spread to one of my lymph nodes. Um, so uh, I started chemo. Going back to getting that diagnosis, A, does this run in your family? B, how did you handle that when you heard that news? Um, no, it does not run in my family. Uh, I was at work when they called. It was early morning. Um, and I just went back to work. <laughs> I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> um, I, I guess I was in shock. I, I just finished my day at work and called my mom and everybody who needed to know and let them know. And I kind of just push through. When you had that conversation with your your doctor and surgeons, did you feel prepared into the expectations of what how you're going to feel after your surgery and going through treatment and all of that? And where did PT and OT kind of come into play in your story? Um, yes, I was definitely well informed. Um, I vaguely remember them saying something about a feeling that I might have down my left arm. Um, but again, there was so much information coming in. And I went in for one of my checkups and Dave, the PT, um, happened to be in the room and he heard what I was telling the nurse and he said, well, I'm your guy. (laughs) And uh, we started PT, I think, March 3rd. Um, So it's definitely been helpful. March 3rd. We're recording this in early April. This isn't going to come out until June. So. (laughs) You will have had a little more rehab under your belt. Mm -hmm. What's that experience been like for you? What were your expectations going into it? How do you feel like it's helped you? I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, all of my doctors had been great, so I already kind of trusted Dave to begin with. Um, My first session was brutal. Uh, (laughs) I I had um, cording, so there was a lot of popping. He did... um, he took measurements, range of motion, all that stuff first. And um, we've just been working on stretches and rubs that um, will help with the cording down my arm. It, it, I've had several sessions with him already, but I already feel so much better. And you said you were pretty active before this. You were walking a lot. How is that looking for you currently where you're at? 
Um, I on good days, which I've mostly had since chemo. Um, I I do walk around my apartment a complex. I I get like a mile in each day. Um, but again, that's I've only my second session of chemo will be on the tenth. So we'll see. <laughs> And where where's your head at? Like with deal, this is a, a hard thing to go through. This probably wasn't something you were anticipating having to go through in life. So how are you co- coping with that? And what makes what keeps you pushing through? Um, my nieces definitely. Um, my guinea pig. <laughs> uh, my friends and family have been great. They've been so supportive. Um, I actually lost my hair last Saturday. Um. So that's taking, so I'm getting used to, um, mm-hmm. emotionally, I think I'm in a really good place. Like I said, I have a great support team and, mm-hmm. um, so far I've been handling it pretty well, I think. <laughs> and you've got a smile on your face. So I, people can't see you. They can only hear you, but I can, I can tell the people who are listening to this, she's got a nice big <laughs> smile. What is the next month to look like for you as far as your treatments and, and rehab and all of that? Um, I still continue to go to Dave. Um, last chemo session, my first chemo session, I crashed about five days afterwards, so I did have to cancel an appointment. So hopefully I can continue to keep up with physical therapy and stuff like that. Um, I have three more chemo sessions, I believe, and then radiation for two months afterwards. Okay. So I'll have been out of work in total for probably about a year. Wow. What kind of work do you do? Uh, I'm a Brailleist. <laughs> That's really cool. I don't think I've met a Brailleist yet. <laughs> Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. What do you What do you wish re- rehab professionals or healthcare professionals knew more about, or how could we help you better through this journey? I'm not really sure. I I feel like I was really well educated from the beginning. Um, again, all of my doctors, Dave everybody have been incredibly helpful and honest and straightforward. And it, I, I, again, I, I just feel like I was very informed. So I feel lucky. Uh, listeners, I did not pay her to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share about your story? I know we're going to have a few survivors on here, so I'm excited to share snippets of everyone's life and, and stories, but anything else that we missed that you feel is important to share with us just take care of yourself. You know, it, I did not want to go back for the second mammogram, but, you know, it happened and I'm going to live. This is just a moment in time where it's not too much fun. <laughs> That's fair. Chrissy, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. I know your story will impact other people who are listening to this. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Have a good one. You too. Jay, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Beck, how about with you? It is going well. I'm so happy to see your face and to have you on the podcast, to hear your story and to hear how PT may have impacted your your journey. So thank you for inviting me to to tell my story. Definitely. I just want to kick off with hearing your story, how you were diagnosed, how that journey has been for you, and and where you are today. Okay. Um, About seven years ago, actually seven and a half years ago, um, I was diagnosed with a very rare form of prostate cancer. 
Um, it's one where you have a very low PSA score, and yet the Gleason score, which is the uh, the rate at which the cells duplicate, was very high. My Gleason score was nine, and the scale stopped to ten. So, uh, and I was a five four as opposed to a four five. So, um, it it was not a good diagnosis, and. Um, you know, fortunately, uh, my urologist picked it up um, simply by weight loss, and uh, otherwise he would have never thought about it. Um, I then uh, looked into, uh, you go through all the, the protocols, all the scans, all the biopsies, and um, they found that when they did my biopsy, that my uh, entire prostate was involved and that uh, they do 16 different samples from uh, different parts of your prostate. And all of them were hot, I guess is what they, the doctors refer to it as. And the Gleason scores were pretty uh, consistent throughout the biopsy. Um, I considered uh, surgery and uh, the options were surgery and radiation, um, but I was, you know, counseled very early on that uh, immediately, that very shortly after the surgery, I would in all likelihood need radiation um, because the there were no margins in the prostate because of the full involvement of the prostate. So um, I then looked at, you know, with the help of my physician, who is a very talented uh, urological surgeon, um, looked at the various radiation options, and I chose to go to the Maryland Proton Center. Um, and the the protocols for that are that um, you go for 12 weeks, five days a week um, for basically a, a treatment program that lasts anywhere from five to 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and what they do is they make a three-dimensional model of your prostate uh, they make a form that you have to sit in so you don't move, and they put marks all over your stomach so they can cite the, uh, uh, the the proton machine, which is this really wild-looking machine, something out of uh, Star Wars, quite honestly. I mean, it rotates around and um, doesn't make a lot of noise. Um, and so uh, in addition to the radiation therapy, I needed two years of hormone suppression therapy, um, where they basically strip your body of all the testosterone. And so um, that actually started a couple of months before the radiation, because as the physicians like to say, they want to weaken the cancer before they start um, subjecting you to radiation. So, you know, I've told that, you know, Basically, you're going to lose all your muscle mass. You're going to lose all your body hair. And um, so uh, I immediately called you, Beck. And so, you know, we've had a long-term relationship in terms of uh, what you've done for my health. And I said, okay, um, this is going to be difficult. Um, you know, you have radiation every day for 12 weeks. And you are also you know, going to lose all your muscle mass and you will lose all your strength, quite honestly. And so what you and I came up with 
was a, uh, you, you altered my uh, exercise program, which I, as you know, I go four days a week. And I kept that up. And then basically uh, I started that immediately and um, kept it kept it going. I will tell you that uh, very few people last the full two years. Um, and in fact, I have a number of friends that have had prostate cancer that, that really, it, it's very hard to tolerate um, Lupron. Um, it makes you feel funny. Um, it does not, I mean, it, you know, it is emotionally difficult, you know, to sort of watch you shrink away. And uh, you then add to that the, the, the fact that you're having radiation five days a week, for 12 weeks, and you really need to be in as, it was my thought, that to be in as physically fit as possible to do this. Um, one other thing about uh, this treatment is I was counseled that I was probably going to gain 15 to 20 pounds. You know, I, I led a fairly normal life uh, going to the gym, you know, um, with the new treatment program that you gave me. I was able to work full time, which for me is probably anywhere from 50 to 60 hours a week. It's a problem when you love everything that you do, so it doesn't seem like work. You know, led a fairly normal life. The exercise did two things. One, as I lost the muscle mass, um, I still kept some muscle. Um, a lot of people who go through this program, um, this treatment regimen, um, look like the Goodyear blimp when it's all over. And it is really very hard for them to continue, you know, with their normal life afterwards. They don't have any muscle at all um, because of, you know, because being on Lupron for two years is, is you know, it, it, you just, nothing happens, quite honestly. You get very weak, um, you get tired, and I really was able to live a very normal life. Many people didn't know. The people that did know that um, that I was going through this said, "How are you? you know, why aren't you home?" I know people that have been on radiation therapy, and it just knocks them out. And I said, "I have a secret weapon." And uh, so, uh, and I've told all of them, quite honestly. And, and Beck, as you know, I've referred numerous people to you because. Um, your, your ability to tolerate a treatment is just as important as the treatment, because if you don't tolerate it, you don't finish it. I, I will tell you, um, I had my fifth year anniversary of being uh, cancer-free. I am now only seen by my doctor once a year. And the you know, my urologist, I still see him twice a year, um, but otherwise, I'm normal. Probably the most interesting thing about that, that couple of things that you need to keep in mind. Uh, one, after the, the treatment stopped, which um, you know, for another nine to 12 months, you still have some Lupron in you, but you, you your body begins to generate testosterone again and hair starts to grow back. But um, for me, I ended up dropping my weight while eating like a horse. And I still kept up with your exercise program. And, um, you know, at one point they were actually worried, you know, what's going on? And, you know, I had several tests 
after that and everything was all clear. And, and basically they attributed um, my weight loss to your exercise program because I didn't have a lot of body fat. And so, um, you know, when the sort of the, the, the water, which is sort of what you collect to the other stuff, it burned off very quickly. I did have one complication through the treatment. Um, for, for those of your audience who don't know what proton therapy is, the um, radiation beam is about the diameter of a piece of lead and a lead pencil, and a mechanical lead pencil, not the kind that you sharpen. So it is very small, and it, it just, you know, it follows a computer program of, of where it wants to shoot the shoot the radiation. And what happens is, instead of penetrating the body, the uh, the radiation actually explodes at a uh, predetermined depth in your body. So it doesn't penetrate everything because it's incredibly powerful. It's much more powerful than photon radiation, which is basically goes through your whole body. Um, and what happened, you know, to me is that they ended up scalding the inside of my colon. And so I was bleeding. Um, and they couldn't do anything about the bleeding. So I then, you know, about, I guess, four to six months at the end of the treatment, I then had to go through um, eight weeks of hyperbaric uh, treat, you know, sitting in a tube for, I guess, the total routine takes about three hours. And um, you, uh, you know, they use oxygen basically to heal the inside since surgically, it, it's really impossible to do that. Um, the interesting thing about hyperbaric uh, treatments are that uh, there were a couple of Ravens football players where I was. You'd see them every Monday um, after the games or Tuesday after that. Um, evidently, they used it to um, make them, you know, to help them in, in the healing process from all the bruises. But that that is sort of the you know, but again, being in physical condition enabled me to tolerate that. And again, um, my ability to, you know, tolerate radiation, to tolerate the Lupron, and to tolerate sitting in a hyperbaric chamber, you know, for I guess another eight weeks or so. Um, I will tell you, I've been very public with my friends and acquaintances about about my treatment because too many men who get this uh, just ignore it. And, and quite honestly, you don't want to die from prostate cancer. I, I will tell you one last thing is that uh, I did see you again after the completion of the treatment. And I said, okay, what do I do differently? And again, you you, you fine tuned everything. That's my story. And um, you, know, you were a big part of the treatment. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for you being in my sphere of medical professional. I am at a loss for words because that was so beautifully said. And I think it's important to say from my perspective, the goal was not to help you to lose weight. The goal was to maintain muscle mass, keep you moving as best that you could during this process. And just that movement piece is so important for your mental health as well, right? And I knew that for you because you're a very active guy. And I knew if we stopped doing anything, then 
that would not have bode well for your recovery. So well, well, there's a, there's an interesting saying that my wife tells me that says, if you want to stop moving, stop moving. Yes. It, it helps your, your attitude. You, you're accomplishing something. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Usually I interject somewhere, but you told your story beautifully. And I just appreciate you sharing this on this platform to get the word out for men out there as well. And not just women it can impact everyone. I, I know that the, the doctors that I've used know your name and number, and uh, they uh, have suggested it from time to time. People have declined it, uh, much to their chagrin, but because um, it does take a little bit of discipline. But I would tell you that, um, you know, if, if any of my friends were in the same predicament with me, I, I'd tell them, you know, go see you first and, and be able to tolerate the treatments. Awesome. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. If you listen to our podcast, you know, I like to end with everyone's favorite quote. And again, because I forgot to ask Jay for his, I'm just going to read everyone's all together. So Amanda's favorite quote is, nevertheless, she persisted. Chrissy's favorite quote is, day by day. And finally, Jay's favorite quote is, I know that I do not know. I find it kind of interesting that all of their quotes were very concise and to the point. In hearing these stories and their quotes, I looked up a quote for myself, and I found one that says, I won't let pain turn my heart into something ugly. I will show you that surviving can be beautiful. I think when we hear their stories, we hear their energy, their excitement for life, and their perseverance and resilience to get through a really hard diagnosis. So I hope that these stories were inspirational for you. And again, with these cancer podcasts with Val doing the last one, if you go back and listen to her episode, we talk about how PTs can help treat patients with cancer. If this is an area you don't know much about, please reach out to us at ptpodcast at medsar.net. We would love to chat more about it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Let's Get Physical Therapy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at MedStarHealthPT. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review so we can reach more listeners just like you. As always, we appreciate your time and hope you join us for our next episode.